get better at complimenting, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. sorry to be blunt, but right. your- <laughs> We love blunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your energy is so uplifting. You're glowing. I love this color on you. Your hair looks good. I am very, I tell people, comments on my hair, comments on my makeup, comments on my tattoos. Cool. Love it. Nothing that I can really change right off the bat. Nothing that really affects me with food. But get, just get more creative. Mm-hmm. Commenting on- your XYZ body part is looking XYZ. No, I don't love it. There's no, there's no further meaning behind it. There's Mm -hmm. nothing more there. You know what I mean? So commenting on somebody's energy or your smile is gorgeous. Things like that are much more meaningful. Welcome to Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt, the world's number one no bullshit health and fitness podcast. Are you ready to cut the crap with your diet and exercise, get strong as fuck, and build a healthy relationship with food? Then you've come to the right place. Show your support for the podcast by joining our Patreon community, where you get exclusive content which consists of monthly workouts you can do at home or at the gym, monthly challenges that are either strength, habit, or mindset-based, and access to hundreds of lower-calorie, higher-protein, family-friendly recipes. And now all Patreon members receive exclusive access to a private Facebook group. Now Now let's let's cut the crap. Today we are joined by Mark Breeden from Training Strong Women and Katie Orlick from EO Fit. Mark and Katie are both body-neutral personal trainers, and Mark is a women's strength coach and helps them become badass lifters and is the host of the Badass Lifter podcast. And Katie is an elite-level powerlifter, hiker, coach, and mental health advocate. Mark and Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Yes. So let's get straight to the point here. You are both body-neutral personal trainers. What does body neutrality mean, Mm -hmm. especially in the context of fitness and personal training? Yeah, I'll I'll take it first, Mark, and then cool. I think Mark and I have generally the same definition of body neutrality, and I think that there's a lot of different ways to exist in this space, so our definition may vary slightly. But to me, body neutrality, I like to kind of stand it next to body positivity. Body positivity says, I love my body because of its cellulite, because of its you know, rolls and wrinkles and things like that. Body neutrality says how I feel about my body has no impact on how I feel about myself as a person. So my clients and I don't inherently focus on weight loss, weight gain, aesthetics, anything like that. We focus on other sustainable habit and behavior changes that may impact the way that we look, may not impact the way that we look, but what those habit and behavior changes definitely do is positively impact our overall health. And I think Mark has just about the same definition, but I'll pass the mic to you. Yeah, pretty much said it all there. I would just say that like for us, weight loss and aestheticals are uninteresting and boring. And we focus a lot more on behaviors. And I think our version of body neutral also focuses a lot on strength as well. So we replace the weight loss focus that people used to have with kind of like becoming stronger, confident lifters. So some body neutral coaches, they go a different route, but Katie and I seem to go with like, we're replacing weight loss and aesthetics goals with like becoming stronger in and out of the gym. Absolutely. Nice. Love it. And how did you two meet? TikTok. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Another TikTok (laughs) meetup here. I know. Look at that. (laughs) Yeah. We kind of came through like independently of each other, which was cool because there's not that many body neutral coaches. Like I've I've been online five years and like I found, I don't know, four, like five, like trainers who are actually body neutral. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. I think I invited you on my podcast and that was kind of the beginning of 
our collaborations. Yeah. But and here we uh, are. Yeah. And, and here we yeah. are. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. That sounds so familiar to Beth and myself when how we we got started too. What were you gonna say, Beth? Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, yeah, you're right. There's not many body neutrality personal trainers out there. I feel like there needs to be more. In fact, absolutely. And know? I think that I think that every trainer can be a body neutral trainer with the right client, right? If you mm-hmm. have a client that says, I am not interested in making any or focusing on any major changes on my body. It's not your job as a trainer to say, yes, you are. It's your job to say, okay, cool. What else do we want to focus on instead? Right. Absolutely. Just to like add to that, I think as well as like, we have, I have a lot of people who have never heard of body neutrality. And so for, I don't, I don't get like deep health at every size, body positivity people. A lot of the time I get people who are like, they've just never heard of this approach before. They were like, I didn't know I could go to the gym and not count calories for every workout or that the workout was not to punish for food or like they, and you know, people, clients in their fifties and sixties who were like, just, they had no idea this was even on the table. And so a lot mm-hmm. of people I work with are just like, they're totally new to the space. And it kind of, cause like, like we've said, like there's very few, first of all, there's almost none in-person training to start with. And then like, even in the online space, like I've been online for five plus years now. And as far as trainers go, I think I know five, six body neutral trainers. Yeah. Like it's very, very few still to this day. Yeah. I love body neutrality. And I think, you know, does a really good job of helping people to understand that weight isn't inclusive of your health. Your, your body composition isn't, mm-hmm. you know, inclusive, of, uh, dictate your health essentially. So you don't have to lose weight to be healthy. And that's definitely a message that we spread here on the with our content and our podcast is, mm-hmm. hey, if you want to lose weight, cool, we can help you with that. But like you said, let's look at our behaviors and habits. And that's really what it comes yeah. down to, those health-promoting behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Mark, when somebody first comes to you then, and they're like, what, what is body neutrality all about? How do you start to coach them or get them to change their thinking of perhaps trying to shrink their body as small as possible to this new body neutral approach where maybe they're looking at other forms of of progress and success. Gotcha. So this is a person who like currently does care, but doesn't want to care anymore. Is that kind of the... Maybe it's not necessarily that they they do or don't care. Maybe it's just the fact that they've been trying to lose weight their entire life, like most, like a lot of people, right? So that hasn't worked out so well for them. Maybe now they've got disordered eating because of it and they have poor body image and Mm self-esteem, but they still try to shrink themselves down to be as small as possible, even though that hasn't been working for them their entire life. I think in that scenario, one, I think just showing them there's like a different option because again, like there's people who 20, 30, 40 years have tried to lose weight and it hasn't been a fun journey and their relationship with food and the gym is just terrible. And so the body neutral experience gives them at least a break from that and like a different approach. But I think figuring out why they want to lose weight in the first place, because a lot of the times it's not, it's not really like the weight on the scale. It's I'm unhealthy or I'm a failure or I'm trying to resolve some self-esteem issues or like whatever it might be. And I think like showing them how strength training might be a better avenue for solving those problems can be a better thing. Like this isn't my quote, but I've heard it's like, you're always 15 pounds away from happiness when it comes to like weight loss. Like you're never mm-hmm. quite small enough. Mm-hmm. And a lot of weight loss training is about like what you don't have or what you're ashamed of. Whereas like strength training is kind of proving yourself wrong in a really positive way. Like it becomes about like what your body's capable of as opposed to what it's supposed to look like. And so for someone who's trying to build self-esteem or confidence, like if you lift a weight you never thought you would lift before, like that's a confidence builder, like something that you never thought was going to happen. You know, I work with people who 
deadlift their body weight for the first time. And they're like, I can't believe I just did that. And it only mm-hmm. took like two, three months. And they, you start to open up this world of value beyond just what they look like. Mm-hmm. I feel like I rambled there, but that's like, that's how I would approach that. Yeah. Awesome. Now, Katie, you and I connected on TikTok. I know before Mark yeah. and I connected, I think Mark and I, you and I connected around this time last year, just the same time that I was talking with Katie, like, because I remember at the time we were talking about like intuitive eating a lot and a lot of the negative messaging that was coming out of that camp that I felt yeah. like, which is what spurred this conversation. We, can, we can give the context from our meetup if you want to, because I think like that's yeah. interesting yeah. as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I think it's well. So you put out a video that was like, why can't we celebrate people's weight loss journeys, basically, like to summarize, like feel free to understand. And then I basically did like, I don't want to call it debunking, but I did a response video on like why that isn't necessarily the right choice and kind of talked about how without knowing how people lose weight, we could be validating certain behaviors that you and I both agree are not good. Like if someone Absolutely. loses weight mm-hmm. by their 800 calorie diet and looking yes. at themselves in the mirror and saying they hate themselves and using workouts as punishment, like yep. without knowing that context behind us, we could be glorifying behaviors you and I would both agree are not correct. And that was basically what started our conversation in this podcast. So I don't know if you and Katie had a, I don't know if she did a debunk video on you and that's why we're here or if it was a different I story did- or... I did not actually, but I, I love that. That's how y'all met that. I know to have like a, I I feel like so much of the adult conversation about it. That's exactly it. Without some toxic, like debunking. Yes. It's like, I feel like so much the online space, like, no, you're right. I'm wrong. And it's like, we can both be right in certain aspects or we can both be wrong in certain aspects that there is so much room to, you know, agree and agree to disagree, whatever. I'm glad. And then learn from each other. Yeah, I'm glad that you were able to have that mature conversation about it. Definitely. Because yeah, a lot of those times when we when I have those make those videos, especially because I'm kind of an asshole in my content, you know, a lot of the time. <laughs> so no hold barred straight to the point. So that does rub people the wrong way. But Mark saw it as an opportunity to to educate and to understand. And I you know that was very admirable. Didn't call you fat phobic. So, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. It could start to any conversation. The good yeah. I haven't been called fatphobic in a while, but it's definitely been thrown around a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, thrown a lot. it's thrown around a lot and also doesn't solve absolutely anything. As soon as I heard the weird, I'm like, this conversation's dead. Like, we should just move on. Yeah. I'd love to talk to, with Katie about people talking about other people's bodies. And you're really yeah. good at drawing the fucking line with that in your content. Yeah. You're like, like all queen. right, okay, yeah, totally. Like, all right, we need to nip this in the bud. We need to stop with it. You know what I mean? Like, especially because, you know, like Mark was actually saying, you know, some way someone may be losing weight and getting all thin from being, you know, toxic and disordered eating or if someone's gaining weight, like we just need to stop like commenting on people's bodies, like stop commenting on people's foods. Do you want to dive into that? Yeah. So I will first say that my therapist is very proud of me for the boundaries that I set online. It is a big step for me. I am not very great at setting boundaries in person, but I feel that setting boundaries online is a great first step and a great practice run to eventually Mm -hmm. being able to set boundaries in person. So my current boundary that I set is I don't currently accept any comments on my body, regardless of whether or not you see it as a compliment. Mm -hmm. And this kind of came about a couple of months ago when I was going through or kind of on the cusp of a little bit of a relapse with my own eating disorder. And I would keep getting comments about, oh, you're looking so great your shoulders are looking so good, your blah, 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 whatever body part is looking fantastic. And it's like, 
this is only fuel to the fire because that is what drives me to, or drives a lot of those with eating disorders to continue in the behaviors that we're engaging in. And that's basically the same conversation that Mark and Matt were having of, oh, congrats on your weight loss. Thanks. I ate 800 calories today. It's like, oh, hold on. I need more information here before I say congrats on X, Y, Z. So that's where that kind of stemmed from. I was realizing that the comments that I was receiving were not helping me in my own recovery journey. And I have been weight restored my eating disorder for, gosh, probably close to 10 years now. And with that, it's still an everyday decision to stay on the path of recovery. Some days it's really, some months it's really, really easy and it's mindless. And then other days it's an hour by hour, meal by meal decision. And some of the comments that I was receiving just were not helping me. So I was like, I have to put an end to this. I have to put up a little bit of a wall, protect myself. I come first. And Mm -hmm majority of the feedback was positive. And of course, in the online space, some of it was negative, but I'm choosing to focus on the positive here. And for those that don't understand it, that's okay. I understand it for myself and you don't have to understand somebody's boundary to respect it. Mm -hmm. Well said. So on that note, then rather than talking about someone's appearance, what is more appropriate to comment on, or is it more so asking how that person is doing and feeling? Yeah. Get creative, get creative. Like this is such an opportunity to get better at complimenting, honestly, like, mm-hmm. sorry to be blunt, but your, <laughs> we love blunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your energy is so uplifting. You're glowing. I love this color on you. Your hair looks good. I am very, I tell people comments on my hair, comments on my makeup, comments, my tattoos. Cool. Love it. Nothing that I can really change right off the bat. Nothing that really affects me with food but get, just get more creative. Mm-hmm. Commenting on your XYZ body part is looking XYZ. No, I don't love it. There's no, there's no further meaning behind it. There's mm-hmm. nothing more there. You know what I mean? So commenting on somebody's energy or your smile is gorgeous. Things like that are much more meaningful to me. Hell yeah. I, love I, that. I would agree. I'd much rather hear like your energy is so fire. Robert. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Me, just more meaningful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love when you post educational content. I learn so much from you. Mm -hmm. I am amazed by how strong you are. Like that's like, wow. And you can tell that those people put thought into their comments and it's the thought behind it that really means more even than just reading words. Yeah, definitely. I think we all like want to be valued beyond just our aesthetic as well. Even if someone does think that we're like good looking or whatever, like I think it's you would hope that people are following you or your friends or family like you beyond just like you being a size two or like yeah. anything along those lines. And I think like body neutral training gives you that value beyond aesthetics, which is nice. Is that like, yes, you're this weight or this look, but also you're strong, you're capable, you're learning life lessons through the strength training process. Like you've been consistent with training And your body can do cool things, which I think is like beyond like, yeah, I guess here's what it looks like. But like, also, I can do pull-ups now. And I think like that's something that Mm -hmm. allows you to have more value beyond like being the look of the time, which anyone who's like over 35 is going to know this. But like body types that are glorified in society change a lot. Like every 15 years, there's like a new look. And it's Mm -hmm. even if you're the look of the time, you know, 15 years from now, like 
what is that look going to be? And are you going to fit that criteria? Like you may or may not. And I want your training to be valuable both now and later. And it would suck to work on 10 years for that body that 2023 loves. And then 2038 decides, actually, you know what? That's out. That's kind of ugly now. And that, (laughs) yeah. Like body images are a trend. I was just going to say your body is not a trend. You know, I mean, like uh, the 80s, 90s, waif look, what have you. It's just, it's not even right. As much as, you know, some influencers want us to believe or, or reality TV show stars want us to believe that it's all about the body and that body type, right? Yeah. 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 And we need to get away from people thinking that a personal trainer needs to look a certain way. Oh my God. Be good at their job. I know Matt and I recently have been getting comments in our videos like Matt did and I did, you know, oh, you're, it doesn't look like you lift weights. And it's like, really, I don't walk around shredded. It's like, I I don't understand what what it takes to actually do that. You know, I can't stand it. And it goes along the lines of just because somebody knows what worked for them has no indication that they will know what works for you, right? right? Just because somebody knows how to lose weight doesn't mean they know how you need to do this or that mm-hmm. or anything like that. I can't stand that. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yeah. And, and a lot of the times where there's people who have very impressive physiques, but you talk to them about training and they have no idea what's going on or like anything beyond their own training. Yeah. And that there are just some, and I think a lot of people like this become personal trainers who they go in the gym for six months to a year they get like a shredded body they don't even, they don't even have like a workout program like they don't even know it's but they're just you know they were built Look around itis to lift weights yeah yeah just like that one year they lifted anything and gained 30 pounds of muscle in a year and, and they're, like, they're like oh i'm good at this it's because yeah. i'm so knowledgeable those are almost the people that i like worry about the most like don't get me wrong there are people with amazing you know impressive physiques that totally like know what they're doing but there's you know i'm not going to call names but there's people i've talked to who have very bodybuilder level physiques and i'll ask them like oh like why are you doing this kind of training over another and they're like i don't know it gets a good pump i'm like wow thanks for the great tip like that's like uh, chasing the pump yeah (laughs) like why you know like just the the knowledge behind it is very low but i I totally agree with you beth that like we got to move on from like the trainer's got to have six-pack abs year-round and like eight percent body fat otherwise like do they even know what they're doing right totally agree in my realm of powerlifting, you look at some of the super heavyweight powerlifters, they are incredible athletes, but you would see them walking on the street and you wouldn't bat an eye. You wouldn't think, oh, this guy is probably knows what he's doing in the gym. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so, so common in this realm as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, me personally, like, like I don't fit the stereotypical part, but at my highest point, I've deadlifted 500 pounds. You can't tell yeah. that by looking at me, you know, if you, if that was your assumption that big muscles is strong and healthy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. especially when we look at other aspects of life that can benefit from strength training with, you know, just improving your health, or maybe you want to become a better hiker. Like, I think we all love hiking here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's near and dear to our heart here on the podcast. And strength training can absolutely help you become a fucking badass hiker and backpacker. Yeah. If there's one thing we can all agree on, it's that life is hard. And with that comes a level of stress that can often be debilitating. Balancing your mental and physical health often seems like you need a PhD to achieve. And so often we are only able to focus on one or the other, which can lead to a less than enjoyable life. And that's why I loved Cure Nutrition Serenity Gummies. From coaching calls to leadership meetings with my team, to tapping into my creativity for new content, to closing business deals, and even interviewing guests for this podcast, the Serenity Gummies have proven to be a valuable part of my self-care routine. 
I take them daily to help manage my stress and anxiety, and doing this allows me to perform at my absolute best, which helps me serve others to my absolute best. Formulated with their trinity of ingredients, a blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, functional mushrooms, and adaptogens, Serenity Gummies are your answer to finding calm in the chaos that we call life. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, our listeners. You can grab a bag of Serenity Gummies for 20% off by visiting www.curednutrition.com ctc and using coupon code CTC at checkout. That's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash CTC and coupon code CTC at checkout to save 20%. So what are you waiting for? Pop a gummy and protect your peace and let's cut the crap together. The quality of life thing I think is huge. People don't talk about that enough where you go in the gym, you get stronger and then like your regular activities in life become easier. Like the amount of times I've heard people talk about, you know, chores that were exhausting or no longer exhausting. I can go on hikes like you mentioned that I wasn't able to do before because my body's strong enough to do those things. Mm-hmm. I can pick up my kid without hurting my back, like all of this stuff. And like that's, you know, less flashy, doesn't make for great TikTok content. But, you know, when I when I talk about, like, how am I improving the lives of people I work with, hearing those stories, I think, are way more valuable than, like, did you lose 10 pounds on the scale this month or something along those lines? Yeah. Yep. Totally. Absolutely. And those are the kind of tangible goals that goals that I am most interested in. Are you in less pain? Are you having more ease with daily tasks? Can you bring all your groceries up in one trip now? Like mm-hmm. those things are important to me. Are you having less anxiety going out to eat with friends because you know that this one meal will not really impact the rest of your week? Things like that, that people kind of brush to the wayside as meaningless. Those are the things that I am most interested in as a coach. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Bringing all your groceries in in one trip. Because I am a no one, one wants that second. I, I trip. Yeah, no one. We all challenge ourselves to that. Like, here. Let's <laughs> see how many I can get in. It looks one ridiculous. Hand. You're waddling in there with a ten. How much wide. of the Costco run can you bring in one yeah. go? Yeah, that's right? it. Well, like, I'm eating rotisserie chicken in the other hand. You know. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm like, oh come on, bus. you guys gonna bag my milk for me? Come on. <laughs> What am I... Do you want your watermelon in the bag? Everything in the bag. Yes. Put everything in the yes. bag. Yep. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> is your bag strong enough? Is the real question. Yeah. Um, right. You double bag it for me. <laughs> that reminds me of that commercial with Brett Favre back in the day. It was an insurance commercial or something like that. And somebody was walking with their groceries and he was like giving critical advice or something to everybody, just random people. Oh, he's being an armchair quarterback What in real life is what he was doing. <laughs> and somebody's grocery bag exploded. And he's like, I had to double bag that. <laughs> <laughs> That's also it. a segue too into social media content creation is yeah. we get comments about that type of stuff all the time too. It's like, oh, I would never do it that way. Or I would never eat mm. that. Or I would never do that thing. So what what do you have to say that is that more along the lines of what we're talking about with body neutrality like just mind your own damn business like what works for you doesn't work for everybody yeah well it's so tough and i was actually just having this conversation with somebody yesterday one of my friends texted me she posted a video of her failed squat pr on her tiktok and she's like everybody's telling me that i'm going down too fast like it was my understanding that this that and the other thing and i was telling her i was like look if it's what works best for you that's what works best for you, period, point blank. Mm-hmm. There's pros and cons, but there's pros and cons to, you know, slowing the eccentric down and utilizing that extra time under tension. There's cons to it. There's whatever works for you is what works for you with a big asterisk of there are proper ways to do things, but there's not just one proper way to do yeah. an exercise. There's a million proper ways to do an exercise based on so many different factors. Mm-hmm. 
can't even list them all. Yeah. That's funny that you say that only because I'm thinking about when we first got on TikTok, I don't know, in 2020, when so many people were doing these videos against other coaches for the way their their form was. And I was like, you guys just just stop. This is so, yeah. this is ridiculous because everyone Unsolicited moves, form checks. moves oh, God, differently. Was... Remember there was yeah. like a phase of that going on. I remember someone went after Eric Roberts or something like that about walking. And I'm like, shut <laughs> the fuck up. Okay. I mean, it was just ridiculous. I just want and people to have... walk. <laughs> I, I, I just... Right. And now you have people self-conscious that they're walking wrong. I love that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Like, oh my God, I'm going too slow or I'm going too fast. Oh my That's the 12, 330 or whatever. It's like, yeah. just walk, just walk. Yeah, we get that question. Should I be doing it fast or slow? It's like, actually, why not do both? Experiment, find what you like. Yeah, right. What's right for well you? Yeah. yeah. Should I do my cardio before or after my lift? When will you get it done? Do it when you'll get it done. <laughs> right. <don't care. laughs> People are so worried about like, what is like the theoretical optimal to when it comes to mm. training? Almost like to a fault to where there's not. Let's go there. Yeah, there's there's not really optimal training. If anything, it's individual to individual. So when someone says like this is the best back exercise, it's like for some people, yeah. But like overall, like it depends on your goal, like how you're built, your training level, mm -hmm. like even just, you know, insertion of muscles and things like that for you versus somebody else that like I would love it if there was truly a best back exercise that everyone, it would make my job way easier and we could just yeah. right. program that to everybody. But when these coaches are like, this is the optimal way of going, I think like they're kind of speaking out of turn. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time the research isn't even there for that as right. well. Is that like, they'll be like, this is what the research says. And it's like, okay, so I looked at your research and it's kind of garbage <laughs> and it's like very <laughs> bare bones and it's like, some, or sometimes there's not research. There's like, well, I did it with my clients and then it's like, okay, yeah. well. Anecdotal. There's better and worse for sure. Like I can like, you know, there's there's things like that. But to say that there's like an optimal way to train, I think is just, it's, it's just like not true. And the more that yeah. you train people, the more that you realize that's the case. Yeah. Optimal for what? Like true. it depends so much on so many different things. There's, a JPG video. I think JPG is a fantastic coach. I think that he is a fantastic person. I think it's his his followers that cause yeah. a little bit of, of havoc, uh -huh. but I think he is a fantastic coach. And there's a video yeah. about how why he doesn't like face pulls for bodybuilders. And the exact same reason that he doesn't like face pulls for bodybuilders is why we love face pulls as powerlifters. Yeah. So you have to look at it as optimal for what? What right. are you trying? What is your end goal? There's mm -hmm. optimal for this, optimal for that, but there's not one optimal. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know I do I do face pulls twice a week, you know. It, love face for pulls. Me, it's super yeah. Oh, I love yeah. face pulls. It's a good exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Like as, as long as people are training the these basic movement, these movement patterns, that's really what matters. That's what's optimal. Are you are you are you hitting the basics? Are you and then how you do those really doesn't matter. I don't care about your squat stance for the most part. You know, we can try to optimize that to suit your body type, but mm -hmm. saying you have to have your feet 90 degrees or you know, six inches apart for everything or others, it's incorrect. Like, no, that's stupid. Me like to squat with a little bit of a more narrow stance. I hate going wide stance. You know, a lot of mm -hmm. other people will like the wide stance. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I go with comfort on that one for the most part mm -hmm. when it comes to squat. I also do something like known as like the chair test, which is like sit down in a chair, stand up. What is your stance? That's going to be pretty close to like what works best for you. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone's built, like some people have like wider or narrower hips. And so there's going to be one that's more comfortable and going from there, but there's no like one, this is the one stance that works for everybody. Um, just because everyone's built differently and, 
I also agree with you that, you know, especially as beginner lifters, you really need to get the core movement patterns down, but like which ones you choose are pretty flexible. Like it doesn't need to be, you know, a, like, should it be a barbell squat or a goblet squat right. or a hack squat or, you know, like, let me, yeah, yeah, barbell dumbbell stuff, like really just choose the one that makes the most sense. I like goblet squats for true beginners. Cause I find that's like the easiest to learn I agree. pattern. But like, there's nothing wrong with like a new person using a barbell and figuring it out from there. But so I'm I'm always worried that new or beginner lifters we're gonna are gonna look at the optimal stuff and they're like, oh my god, my training is trash. I'm yeah. not doing any of this. I'm not like lifting at exactly 37 degrees or like what it might be. Yeah. When in reality, for new lifters, if they have a decent program, they're consistent with their training, and they're you know just improving their form overall. Those people are going to get stronger regardless. Okay. And so like just just by concreting those three things so they don't need the super optimal best insertion to for your bicep kind of like <laughs> it's, it's just like not it's just like honestly just like not a worthwhile conversation to even have. Mm -hmm. I think a common thread among all of our social media is stop overcomplicating fitness. Like oh, yes. everybody yes. wants to overcomplicate it. And then we find beginners in this cycle of analysis paralysis because there's so many things to take into consideration. So if it's not perfect, it's shit. And I'm just not going to start. Yeah. And it's like, hold on. You just... Every I can probably confidently speak for every single one of us. None of us knew what the frig we were doing when we first started. Oh, we no. it was clunky, it was messy. You just have to start. You yeah. will figure it out along the way. I couldn't squat a barbell to depth when I started, and now I do crazy shit that I do. It's you will figure it out. You don't have mm -hmm. to overcomplicate it. And so many beginners want to start their journey where they feel like they should end it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, well, I see, I see this person doing four days a week. So that must mean that I have to go in four days a week, but I actually work 65 hours a week. I have three kids. I actually don't think that's going to work for me, but that's what I see everybody doing. So right. I have to make it work. It's like, oh, like, let's back up a little bit. You mm -hmm. have to do what's most realistic for you because the program that's best for you is the one that you can stick to. We all know yes. this. So, yep. so many people overcomplicate it and make it way too daunting. Start slow, start messy. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. Start messy. It's yeah. so true. Just start. Just fucking start. We, we throw we some shit against the wall. See what sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Like we all figure like I, you know, I look back at my first like few years of training and I was like, oh, that was questionable. Should I have been doing that was a rough seven time. days a week? Like who's <laughs> to say, but I totally agree with that. And like, just, just get started. Like, just get into it. You can learn as you go. Everyone did learn as you yeah. go. If you have someone helping you, like that's cool. And like that you'll get there faster. But you don't need the perfect program. Right. You probably don't even know what the perfect program looks for you like yet because we would actually need, you know, a good amount of your training knowledge to actually tell you what the best program for you would be. But, right. Yeah. Just just yeah, exactly what Katie said. Like start messy, like just get into it. You'll figure it out as you go. You'll make mistakes, but we all did. And like it's mm. yeah. I think that's a fear of of people is actually making mistakes. It's like you guys, everyone is a beginner at something at some point. None of us started like walking out of the womb. You know, yeah, you know? Yeah. it's like you got to crawl before you walk and it's okay to make mistakes. That's how you learn. Every single person that you see in the gym had a day one in the gym yeah. one time and they did not walk into the gym knowing how to deadlift 500. Like everybody had to figure it out along the way. Mm -hmm. It'd be actually a cool experiment to go around a gym and ask people how they started and does it look different than it does now for you? Yeah. 
actually. Ooh. Katie, you're ex- I love your videos that you create, by the way. You're, you do all your own editing, right? I think that's- I do. Wow. First of all, who's calling dibs on this content idea? Because that was a great one. Beth. It is, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, I think I might. I think now I just came up with it. I'm going to think about it and maybe do it in Planet Fitness. I don't know. Like, we'll see. I have all, it... all different ages in there. I I'm for doing that at Planet Fitness, though. You got to be careful <laughs> with that one. <laughs> who's going to judge me there? I don't know. <laughs> do we can both do it. Own... Yeah, I do all of my own editing. I do all of my own recording, everything. It is... Just me, just me behind the scenes here. And it's, it's a lot, but it's so, I love what I do. I would not trade it for anything. I love what Mm -hmm. I do and it's stressful and I get overwhelmed by it sometimes, but at the end of the day, I still love it. Absolutely. How long have you been doing your own thing now online? Because I think that just happened within the last couple of years, I think. Yeah. So I was working in person for about two and a half to three years. And then right at the beginning of the pandemic, I hit major burnout. I was Mm -hmm. extraordinarily overworked, as I think every in-person trainer is, extraordinarily underpaid and undervalued. And I said, I can't do this forever. So the pandemic was kind of, you know, a perfect time to transition online. So June 2020 is when I officially started my business. And so I just hit about three years couple of months ago. Congrats. Feels like, Congrats. Feels, awesome. it, yeah, it feels like three weeks, to be honest with you. I, I still sometimes have no idea what I'm doing, but again, you figure it out along the way. Neither do we. Neither do we. Yeah. We've been doing this podcast two years now. We have no idea. What we still have no idea what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> you, you, yeah. You got to start, right? You got to start mm-hmm. getting messy and like that same with the business yeah. where like, I think we don't start. Yeah. I think that's a sign of being a good coach, to be honest, is really just, you're always learning. You're, always learning. I'm always learning something new. I don't, like I said, we don't know what the fuck we're doing and that's okay. It's, I don't mind not knowing half the time. Absolutely. Beth, I'm so happy that you just said that because when we were having the beginner conversation, the you'll learn along the way. And then Mark said, you know, looking back at how I used to train in the beginning, looking back at how I used to program in the beginning. Oh man, the amount that I have grown as a coach, Mm -hmm. I think that is so daunting to other coaches to be like, wow, I'm not as good as this coach. You're not supposed to be yet. You're not right. supposed to be yet. Exactly. Like, I promise you, you just need more time in the field. Mm-hmm. You just need more mistakes and more learning opportunities and more growth edges in order to get there. So I'm actually really happy that you brought that up. And I'm happy you mentioned mistakes because us as coaches, and that's what we want our clients and everybody listening to understand is we still make mistakes. Oh, yeah. yeah. We oh, yeah. learn from them. It's how we react to them. That, that kind mm-hmm. of what is what matters. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's okay not to know something. Like, if yes. I don't know something, I'm not going to pretend like I do. Like yeah, that's my biggest thing to say. I don't know. You know what? Let me refer you to someone that might know more than me. And that's the respectful thing to do. You're doing your client a disservice if you just pull something out of the air. No, let me get back to you. You know what? That's a really good question. I'm going to look into it and let's chat about it next time that we talk. That's uh-huh. the respectful thing to do instead of pretending that you know everything because you don't. Just like anybody listening to this doesn't know every single thing about their job, we don't know every single thing about our job either. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's human. Yeah, I think especially for our space as well, where like most people do not start in the body neutral space. Most people like, I don't know about you, Katie, but like I was a weight loss coach for four or five years before yeah. like I really got into like the body. I didn't even know what it was uh, as well. I kind of like fell into it accidentally. And you have as a trainer, you have to like as you get more information, you have to kind of like change your opinion. There's new studies, I think, especially in the fitness world, there's a lot of bro science kind of stuff that you grew up with and your bro told you it was good. So that was 
therefore the right answer. And then you actually look into train more people and then you realize, oh, actually that's not true. And yeah, I think especially people chasing the pump, right? Chasing the pump. Yeah. Never too many days, no days off. We all have the same 24 hours. Yeah. You know, just classic, you know, if you're not training six days a week, do you even care? You know, just like stuff like that. Yeah. I think you had you're to- not running on a Sunday, Beth. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you gotta tell like the mom you work with. You gotta tell the mom you work with with that has like four kids in her own business that she has to go to the gym six days a week for two hours. It's like, okay, well, like maybe we you know, that's just the crazy it, like that stuff is real like it exists online mm-hmm. and it's like no pain no gain mentality which like mm-hmm. by the way if you're in pain working out like we gotta we gotta fix something okay like for anybody who takes that literally please please don't listen to that advice better not be physical pain like i understand the mental pain that you're going through sure. when you're yeah, yeah, yeah. or something right but yeah but going back to the um chasing the pump thing right that's something we see all the time is especially when people are first starting out is they're working out to soreness. Like I didn't feel sore after my workout. Mm-hmm. That, like, what did I do wrong? Well, you didn't do anything wrong, probably. Or or the, the flip side of that, they're always sore after a workout. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, let's look at that because that also shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mark, how do you kind of start to get people to, to stop chasing the soreness and the sweat and, and really just start Maybe I don't know if you coach RPE, RIR, or, or what your what your method is. Maybe both. But you know, what's the approach you take there to to get people to understand that it's actually you need to be challenging yourself with these these you know heavy to you weights within you know a certain amount of range of failure essentially. Yeah. So I think the the line that I draw is that like, if you're always sore, that's bad. But if you're never yeah. sore, that's also probably bad. Sure. Where like someone who's never sore, there's like a good chance that you're not actually working the muscle in the way that you want it to work. Or it's just like, not that it ha- has to happen all the time, but if it never happens, that could be a sign that we're not lifting enough or yeah. it's the wrong exercise or your form is kind of off. So you're not really hitting the hamstring in the way that you want it to. I straight up just use like, cause I, I don't work with like, I work with mostly beginner lifters. So I don't go into, I just do like straight up difficulty out of 10 scale. Okay. Like eight out of 10 is like challenging, but doable. Nine yeah. is you almost failed. 10 is you actually failed. And then just, I find that that was clearer for people who were newer as opposed to, you know, reps in reserve. Whereas like truly as a new lifter, I don't think you know what your reps in reserve is like, you know, like. The amount of times that your set of 10 could have been a set of 15. And then you were like, oh, yeah, that was like two reps in reserve. I just find the difficult, like the subjective difficulty scale tends they to be training long enough. They don't know their body well enough yet. And then, yeah, they don't know like where they could push it. And especially a lot of new lifters are afraid to push to that extra level. So, like, they'll, you know, do three sets of 10 at 30 pounds. They could have done 45, but like they would have had to have gone to a, a deeper place than what they're used to in training. And yeah. If you're new to training, you not everyone likes that deeper place. That's also a big one as well, is that like there are a lot of people, they get crushed in their first two weeks of training and then they never come back. Yeah. And so for me, I would rather you like, let's just make it too easy. Like on purpose, you get some self-confidence that you're like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, this training thing is easy. And then like, you know, you feel comfortable in the gym, you feel good about what you can do. And like, then we can increase the difficulties after that. But like, I would rather just give you programs that are too easy to start off with so that you feel good about it and then yeah. go from there. Totally. Totally. So you both, Katie, do you work primarily with women? I know Mark, you train, you train women or do you train men as well? I train all genders, but I, all of my clients right now are women. 
but I am open for all clients. Where I was going with this is women have been so conditioned to believe that strength training and pushing heavy weight is bad, you know, bad for them, right? Or going to make them give that, that bulky look and things like that. What can we do to empower women to fall in love with strength training or to give it a try? Right. Essentially. One bulky doesn't happen by accident. The amount of intention and mindfulness that goes into getting bulky, especially as women, that doesn't happen by accident. Okay. But I think performance-based goals are really the key here. I think setting goals of, I want to squat this much weight, bench this much weight, deadlift this much weight. I want to be able to, you know, I tried this hike last summer and it was really, really hard for me. I want to try it again this summer and I want it to be easier for me. I want to be able to play with my kids longer. I want to be able to easily bend down and pick up my newborn and walk around. Things like that and translating things that we do from the gym into real life are vital Mm -hmm. because training does not just have to be about aesthetics and how you look. There are so many different, really cool ways to exist in this fitness realm and aesthetic based, even weight loss based is not the only way to exist here. So I think one performance based goals, but two translating what you do in the gym to your everyday life, noticing how important it is as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I really, women just really need to understand how important just strength training is in general, just even as, as we age, I, we hiked Mount Katahdin last summer and I fell so hard in my arm. It's I'm surprised I didn't break it, but I believe believe because I've been strength training for, you know, quite a few years that actually saved me my bone density, all that stuff. You know, I could have broke my arm. Yeah. But you know, that's falling happens as we age. Yep. Too. Mm-hmm. And you, happens you know, more often. Happens. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it actually helps regulate our hormones. There's so many mm-hmm. benefits to strength training that I really wish women wouldn't be so scared to get into that space. Absolutely. I, I think what fine helps is I'll use like testimonials of like clients lifting, but I'll try and pick from like a variety of ages. And because I think sometimes there's a lot of videos online. It's like the woman's lifting, but she's jacked. And she has like a right. six pack and she's 21 and like, is kind of like, this is not relatable to right. most of the population where I try to put up like, okay, I have a client named Jill. She's 54 years old. Jill can do pull-ups. She's working on a big deadlift goal. Like, so, you know, so that other people who are around her age can be like, oh, this is not like a young person's game, which I think a lot yeah. of people see. Make it more inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. And like, don't always showcase your people who have these like amazing physiques, because for a lot of people, they look at that and they're like, well, I'm not, I don't look like that. So maybe training isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Where if yeah. you have someone who is like more, let's say, just call it more normal, that they can see that and they're like, oh, like this is for everybody. Like, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of people who are strength training. And like, it allows them to kind of overcome the idea that they're not fit enough or thin enough or whatever it might be for training. I found that that's gone a long way and that like end up getting people who wouldn't have trained before are now training. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, Katie, I would like to talk about powerlifting. Yeah. How, how did you get into powerlifting? Ooh. So I, Mark kind of touched on this before when Mark, you said that you started out as a weight loss coach. I, as an athlete, started out to lose weight for a vacation. I was an athlete my entire life. I was always eating dinner in the car from one practice to the next. I was always active. I was always on the go. And then I went to college and I went through a trauma and I went through a big life change and college is stressful and food is really yummy. And I turned to food to cope and I gained a lot of weight in the first six months of college. And I remember standing in my dorm room and I was looking in my mirror on the back of our little dorm room door. And it wasn't even that I looked different. I was just like, this is not me. Things are harder for me. It's harder for me to get up the stairs, to go to class. It's harder for me to just get over to campus. It's harder for me to do everyday tasks. And this just doesn't feel like the me I was a year ago. And so I joined a gym and I thought what I had to do was lose weight. And I was like, well, this is good. I'm going on vacation in six months. That's fine. That'll, there you go. It kind of fell falling into place for me. This will be great. And so I started just, uh, you know, doing some cardio circuits, started on machines. My gym had this little like circuit of machines. It was like a chest press, a row, a leg press, a hamstring curl. Great. I get to go home. And then I joined this class. I tried everything. the class was free, I was there because mm-hmm. I needed to know what I liked. So I okay. tried everything. Are, are you guys listening? I Yeah. <laughs> this is how Katie started. She started just doing every, all kinds of things. Anyway. I had no idea what I was doing. I learned mm-hmm. that spin is not for me. Y'all are built different. Don't understand that. <laughs> nope. But I ended up in this class that was 30 minutes of barbell work and 30 minutes of metabolic conditioning. And uh, after the first 30 minutes, I was like, I just want to stay over here. This is really cool. Like, I don't, I don't want, no, y'all have fun. I'm good. I'm going to stay here, squat, bench, deadlift. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with the barbell and how it made me feel. And I wasn't even trying to lose weight. I was like, I just feel so badass. I have so much more confidence. I'm the coolest person in this gym. Like I <laughs> looked like a fool. Granted, I had no idea what I was doing, but in my head, I was the coolest person in the gym. And I just fell in love with that feeling. And I just chased it forever. And then I learned about the sport of powerlifting and that this is something that you can do. You can just compete to squat, bench, deadlift as much as you possibly can. And within about a year and a half of just starting in that 30 minute, you know, 30 minute barbell, 30 minute cardio class, I competed in my first powerlifting meet. And that was in March of 2017. It could have been 18. I think I want to say 2018. And I'm prepping for my ninth powerlifting meet right now. So it's been, I know it's been a wild ride. I'm excited. So it's going to be a fantastic meet. It's the biggest meet I've ever competed at, but I started from not understanding how to squat a barbell to depth. So that's now you're an elite level powerlifter. And I'm an elite level powerlifter. 
And I want to talk about that really quickly because I remember a video that you made a while back. Somebody yes. said, elite according to whom? and Or something like that. <laughs> and you're like, actually, it's a legit classification. According to the classification. To standard. And I'm actually an elite level power sport. Yeah. yeah. You know, according to the classification chart. Yeah. I, yeah. that was so funny. I remember that. I'm so, so glad you brought that up. That was funny. <laughs> but, so, so another question then, so with powerlifting, and I, yeah. I'm curious to how you navigate this with the weight yeah. classes, mm-hmm. with, you know, with your own history, with an eating disorder and being a body neutral coach, is that something you yeah. don't even worry about? Like you just fall where you fall? So it does get a little sticky in the sport of powerlifting because you want to be the most competitive in, in your weight class, right? Yeah. So I used to compete as a 148 powerlifter and my last two meets as a 148 lifter, I had to do horrific weight cuts and it was really, really affecting me. And this was really before I fully dove into the body neutrality realm. So I thought this is what you had to do. And so I had horrible, horrible weight cuts. And I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. The weight cut is getting harder and harder. So I decided to move up a weight class. And for my eating disorder, it was, I felt like I failed. I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. This is horrible. It's the best thing I could have done. My bench has exploded. I don't have to stress when it comes to weigh-ins anymore. Mm -hmm. So I personally just compete where I naturally fall. I currently weigh about 167 pounds and I compete as a 165 lifter. So, you know, a couple of weeks before the meet, get rid of the cereal before bed and I'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, love that. Uh, that's about it. So yeah. honestly, I just compete where I naturally fall. And I do have a couple of lifters or even coaches of lifters that have come to me and they're like, my client has an eating disorder. She doesn't know how much she weighs. What should I do? And this is a sticky situation because you will have to know how much mm-hmm. you weigh. You have to sign up for a weight class. Yeah. So if you're at that point where you're like, I can't even step on the scale to know this information, you may not be ready to compete in this sport just yet. As much as I would love to, as much as love to have you in this sport, you do have to put your own mental health first. So you will have to know how much you weigh, but at least removing yourself from carrying any worth with that number, I think is, is the biggest first step. So we just came full circle into body neutrality. Look at that. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) Definitely. With weight classes, you, you probably don't recommend uh I'm going to answer this question. You probably don't recommend people cut weight for their first ever powerlifting meet, right? Oh, no, absolutely not. Especially for your first meet, even for your 10th meet, if you're not trying to qualify for anything, if you're trying to qualify for something and the cut is manageable, I usually say seven to eight pounds. And I know any other powerlifters listening to this are like, no, I can do more than that. That's cool. That's great. I'm really happy for it. And what sacrifice it will cost too. Yeah, exactly. Your strength is going to go to shit. So I actually just had a client compete a couple of weekends ago, and there were so many people that water cut for that meet. And they were telling me all these people that water cut did so shit. Miss me. I'm like, obviously, of course. So no, for your first meet, for your second meet, for your third, if you're not trying to qualify for something big, it's not worth it at all. Yeah. Like I did my first powerlifting meet last year. I don't know. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. I'll I'll probably do one again at some point, but right now I'm more like, I just want to travel and hike and backpack, you know, but that was definitely a conversation I had with my coach. He's like, I'm not going to tell you what weight class to go in, but I'm not going to, you know, I don't think you need to cut weight. And I just naturally, I was within about five pounds of the lower weight class. And the next one was 20, 20 pounds up higher. I I was 195. The next weight class was like 220. And I was like, "Eh, I'm, want to at least be competitive, you know, like I just cut a few pounds. Exactly. That's fine. Especially if you're 
okay doing that, right? It all mm-hmm. comes down to like, hey, is this something that's safe for you to do? Cool, go for it. I'm fine with that. Especially because yeah. those 220 boys are those 220 boys are competitive. So and I'm glad I did it because I would only entered the powerlifting meet for myself. So to compete against myself. Right. Of course, you do want to show up to your best self. And that would definitely be disheartening to to be with those bigger guys that that are lifting, you know, 200 pounds more than me on, on a squat or something. That, yeah. That's somewhat happened to me, my first powerlifting meet, where I went in with the idea of like, I don't care what my weight is. It's cool. And I weighed 0.5 kilos over the cutoff of a weight class. And I was like 20 pounds lighter than every other competitor. Wow. And it was my first meet. So for that- Well, your Wilkes score was probably pretty good. <laughs> Wilkes was fine. Yeah. yeah. But the, like, when you looked like, okay, like Mark's first one to squat- and then we're going to add like 70 pounds to the next person because yeah. everyone was just so much bigger than me and more experienced. And mm-hmm. if I had didn't think about it at the time, if I had known how close I was, I would have just like, I don't know, like not had breakfast that morning. Yeah. And then like would have just been, ate right after weigh-in, right? Right, right yeah. after weigh-in. It was still a fun experience. And like I still got, you know, personal bests and, you know, I did more meets after that. But I think if I had known, I definitely would have been like, okay, like I, I got destroyed in like the category that i was in just because i was literally 20 pounds lighter than all yeah. of the competition mm. yeah i know we yeah. might be making powerlifting seem scary right now if there's any baby powerlifters that are <laughs> powerlifting is not scary we yes. would love to have you it is the most uplifting and supportive environment that you will ever be in nobody feels ready for their first meet i don't feel ready for my ninth meet okay you never feel ready you're still <laughs> always scared it doesn't matter if you're lifting 50 pounds or 500 pounds everybody is screaming their head off for you and yeah it's best environment that you can be and then in. and then three seconds later they're going to be squatting against you you know but which yeah, is exactly. it's just a yeah. amazing community i mean i yeah. that's why I, I fell in love with powerlifting on my first meet because of the energy like mm-hmm. everybody was literally helping each other warm up and hey oh you need some wraps or like somebody forgot his freaking sleeve so he was wearing somebody else's sleeves you know like it's just a super supportive community and that's really what we need more of in the fitness community so mm-hmm. I, it's, I, you know if people had to start with one modality of bodybuilding versus powerlifting like go the powerlifting route Oh, yeah. I think it's I think it's probably one of the more inclusive sports you can actually do just because it has different age categories and weight categories and things like that, where there are actually like very different people who do power lift as opposed to if I were to just, you know, critique bodybuilding for a second. There is kind of like a physique of a person you kind of have to be to fit in that world, right. even with like the various divisions they have, like whereas like, you know, there's people who are a hundred pounds in powerlifting and there's people who are 300 pounds in powerlifting yeah. and there's people in their sixties and there's, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's I love a, seeing that too. When some like a 60 oh, yeah. old person does their first yeah. meet. It's amazing. We That's- have a woman real quick in our area that she is 79 and she competes at meets all over like the That's area. And Let's the go. Coolest thing to ah, see. Awesome. Every time started. You know? I actually don't know. I talked to her a little bit at, I wasn't competing, but I, was a spectator at a meet a couple of months ago and she was competing there and everybody knows her. Everybody loves her. She walks in like she owns place. Cause she does. I honestly, if I was 79 competing at powerlifting meets, I'd be like, I'm the baddest bitch here. Like I own this For place. Sure. Like that's, that's so <laughs> cool. I love her. She's great. That's retirement that's goals right there. That's retirement. I, that's who I want to be when I grow up. That's, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, are on the one hour. Holy shit. It's two already. Jesus. Yeah. No, I know. Where, go? where did the time go? <laughs> this and has been a good conversation. Amazing conversation. No, I've been looking forward to this one for a while and it was I know. everything that I wanted it to be. So 
Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you um, liked it. No one, no one yelled at each other. No one called each other. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. people can have differing beliefs. Imagine that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. This was so much fun. For sure. Before we do go, Katie and Mark, I would like for you to each give yourself an opportunity to tell people where they can find you if they want to mm-hmm. learn more about you and connect with you. Yeah, I am on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at underscore EO fit, EO F I T, all three platforms there. Amazing. And Mark? Yeah, so I'm at, so TikTok and Instagram are at training strong women. I focus a lot on like beginner lifter stuff as well as being body neutral. And then I have a podcast as well called the Baddest Lifter Podcast. Matt's been on it. Katie's been on it a few times. Beth, we're going to get you there. We're just going to mm-hmm. we'll figure out the time. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you want like longer form stuff on helping beginner lifters, that's where you can find me. But those are, I'm in other places too, but those are kind of like the big three for me. Awesome. Okay. And would you be willing to come back for a, a second conversation, guys? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like we need a part two. We do. We do. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm down. Happy to hear that. We'll awesome. get it going. Yay. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure chatting with you today. Thanks, hey, guys. Thanks for having us. This has been great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See ya. Hope you enjoyed this episode. So why not share with a friend who needs to hear it? Send us a DM on Instagram or email us at cutthecrappod at gmail.com and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cutthecrappodcast. As always, we appreciate you and thanks for being here.